EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM well, hello. Welcome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Love you to have your company. Always appreciate the fact that you take the time to play this in the car on wherever you're on your way to or uh, out on your walk or, geez, if you're sitting listening as a family, that's weird. But, hey, all power to you. Um, it, I guess it's entertaining. Um, maybe you're learning something as well. I've got an awesome show today because there's a few really interesting topics and we've got some great calls to get through as well. We're going to talk everything from Australian consumer law to phone upgrades uh, and and even um, software issues, which we'll get to. But we're also going to talk about drones. I want to talk to Peter Gibson from the Civil Aviation Safety Authority about drone rules because it's been a while since we've talked about that, and I'm already seeing people doing illegal things with the latest DJI drone. So a little reminder about the rules. Plus, Apple's made an announcement today about the right to repair is how they phrase it, um, but it's a fascinating one that, kind of gives us the opportunity to get Apple authorised parts um, from non-Apple repair services. So I'm going to talk to a couple of people today um, about that. I'm going to talk to Benny Nash from iFix Electronics. Um, we've spoken to him many times before over the years on the radio show and here on the podcast um, about his views on that, and he may not know about it already, so we'll break that to him. But through serendipity, I think is the correct word. I've also got today time with a bloke I've been literally trying to get in touch with for a couple of months. I th- at first, I thought he just really didn't want to talk to me or he thought I was weird or he thought I was an idiot or doesn't like me, but I don't know why he wouldn't because I don't know him. But he's a TikToker, but that would be an awful thing to call him because actually he's just a, a brilliant uh, IT genius who repairs devices and products like phones, similar to what Ben does. But the way he presents them on TikTok is the most entertaining content I've, I've experienced on TikTok and I really love it. And I wanted to talk to him about TikTok and um, what it's doing for him and his business in repairing things. So we're going to talk to Max Hawker a little bit later on the show as well. Um, if you want to get on right now and see what I'm talking about, um, pause the podcast, go to TikTok and search for Max Hawker. You can do this on the web if you don't have the app. You can just go tiktok.com forward slash at, so the at symbol, Max Hawker. Um, and he's got 107,000 followers and a lot of videos repairing devices. Trust me, watch them. If you don't have a smile on your face after watching it, I'll be blown away. Seriously, watch a few and listen because we'll have Max on the show a little bit later. Um, get in touch anytime uh, and we'd love to hear from you. As always, here on the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. Oh, by the way, the cat's out of the bag. Um, we're giving away a car. Ha! It's crazy. And I, I do actually think I've lost my mind um, because I bought a car, brand new car, went to a dealership, bought a new car. It's in the garage downstairs right below me right now. Um, the competition permits have been submitted. We've got approval for Victoria, New South Wales. We're waiting on South Australia, which then gives us the rest of the nation. Um, the competition should launch on August, sorry, April the 12th. Um, it's a Hyundai i30, brand new, active. So it's a, it's a not bottom of the line model. It's a $30,000 car, and I'm going to give it away. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give it away. It'll be similar metric to what we did with the PlayStation and others, but really quite simple. You just need to be an engaged member of the EFTM community. That's what I want to reward, and that's what I want to grow. So 
It'll be a sign up to the newsletter approach and then there'll be code words here in the podcast. There'll be some on the YouTube. There might be some on socials. There'll be some in the man cave. We'll be everywhere <clears throat> across the six weeks that we're going to run the comp. I can't wait. Such a fun thing to do. Such a great prize. And I really hope it goes to someone that's a part of the EFTM family here. Um, you, the listeners, or the dedicated readers, but otherwise someone who just deserves and needs a car because it's, it's a $30,500 car. Um, which I got from McGrath at Liverpool. Thank you to the people at Hyundai head office in Australia for um, doing good work on the numbers because I couldn't afford to pay 30 grand, but I did had have to go to a bank and withdraw over $20,000. Um, and it's the biggest thing I've bought for the business. Actually, yeah, I think of all the rubbish that I bought, all the important things that I bought, computers, this NAS, screens, lights, it's the biggest thing we bought as EFTM. So I'm really excited to do that just because it's fun. And as a part of that, um, where we've got an app coming. So there'll be a whole bunch of things happening over the, the weeks ahead, and I can't wait to do all that. So if you want to know more, all you got to do is stay here, stay listening, jump on the Man Cave on Facebook, and make sure you are reading and uh, subscribed to the newsletter, uh, the Man Cave newsletter on the website, because those newsletter emails, they're critical. That's where you'll find some of the clues and whatnot to get yourself more entries in the draw. Anyway, that's still to come. Uh, let's get on with the show. Thank you for listening. Trevor along with you and trying to help with any tech questions you've got. And uh, one such question comes from Mel. G'day, Mel. Hi, Trevor. How are you? Yeah, really good. What can I do for you? I My TV has only just gone out of warranty, like about six months, and it's now playing up. And I've emailed the people uh, that own like the company. And What brand is uh, it? It's a Sonic. Okay, yeah. And... Um, they said, basically said to me, well, it sounds like your TV's defective, um, but it's out of warranty, so sorry, we can't help. Oh, wow. Hang on. So you've got an email that says that? Yeah. Wow. Um, and what is the actual symptom? What is it doing? It's uh, when, I try, when I put it on and I try to change the source over from like HDMI to like DTV or something like that, the little um, uh, source box just keeps flashing and, oh, and you right. can't do anything. So here's the thing. Um, when when we talk about warranty, and I have a mm-hmm. very clear opinion on this, the warranty that comes from the manufacturer is great. Never buy the extended warranty because you're covered by Australian consumer law. Okay. Australian consumer law brought is not defined in any way. It doesn't say that a television will last this long or a phone will last this long. It's, it's mm-hmm. very vague, to be clear. Yep. Um, but it says that you should be protected by the Australian government's consumer law in that a product should work for a reasonable period of time. And for yep. the reasonable life of the product, you should have its normal performance. Now, a television, I would normally say, is a five to seven years would be the number I'd give you on a TV. Now, yep. you're, you, I think you're saying yours is three and a bit years old? Yes, yep. So I would say normally, yeah, that's that's absolutely covered by that. But I won't lie to you. When you told me it was a Sonic, I went, yep. that's – I feel like – and it's the wrong thing to say, but I feel like it shouldn't last as long as a Samsung. Right, because it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a cheaper product. You didn't pay as much for that product back then. But why should that exempt you from Australian consumer law? Would be my my retort to myself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the great thing is, if they've literally said to you the word defective in an email, yep. I'm mm-hmm. saying I'm saying it's game on, baby. Let's take this thing. Right. Yep. But is this your main TV or just a secondary TV in the house? No, that's it's our main TV. 
And so what have you been in with that? Oh, because it's working, but it's just a pain in the bum to use, right? Um, no, no, we can't work it at all. All oh, right. So what are you doing? Not watching television? Is that <laughs> no, we just listen to the radio or listen to music. Wow. Okay. So here's what you want to do. I want you to call the uh, Department of Fair Trading in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I want – no, first, before you do that, you need to ring the um, the retailer that you bought yep. it from, which is JB Hi-Fi. I can tell you that because yep. it's Sonic. Mm-hmm. And yep. you need to say, um, my TV is defective. The manufacturer has said it's defective um, yep. and it's only three and a half years old. And they'll say it's out of warranty. And you'll say it's covered under Australian consumer law. And they'll mm-hmm. say, no, it's not. And you'll say, do you want me to call the Department of Fair Trading? And they'll say, hang on, let me get a manager. <laughs> Okay. And then you'll have the same conversation over and over again with the same people. It'll be really frustrating. And I want to be very clear, this process yep. will be frustrating and it will take yep. time. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you're you're a chance. I don't want to say you're guaranteed, but you're a chance. What yep. will happen is, and I think you should reply to the manufacturer as well to that email, and you should say, yep. if it's defective, um, I request that you replace or repair my TV under Australian consumer law. So just keep okay. saying Australian consumer law because that is your get-out-of-jail-free card. And if yep. if they all throw caution to the wind and ignore you, then you call the Department of Fair Trading and you'd say, I mm-hmm. would like to understand the process of getting a, a resolution between myself, a retailer, and a manufacturer who are not fixing my product despite me believing it's covered under Australian consumer law. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll then get you to send all the world of paperwork, proof, all those things, receipts, everything, to prove how old it is. Um, and pictures of what's wrong with it, and then they will try and mediate a solution. They will try okay. and try and get the manufacturer to to talk with you, and they'll talk to them. They'll talk to you, and they they'll make you feel like you are in the wrong. I'll be honest. I had this problem with a car once, but that's yep. just them just trying to find a solution. And if mm-hmm. if the manufacturer then says, "Look, okay, fine, we'll give you a two hundred dollar credit at JB Hi-Fi or a four hundred dollar credit," you then you'll go, "You know what? I can probably replace the TV for close to that. So fine, we're done." But if they okay. don't. Yep. Hold bloody out on them because you've got the radio. You can just keep listening to Tanya and Steve. So, <laughs> you know what? Hold out on them and say, no, no, I want it fixed. And, you know, yeah. if you hold out long enough, they'll be frustrated by having this open case with the Department of Fair Trading and you might just get a win. Oh, great. How big is the TV? Okay. What size? Uh, 65 inch. Okay. So, and do you remember what you paid for it? Uh, my son got it on special, um, I think, because he ended up buying two of them. I think it was maybe seven or $800. Yep. Okay. And have you yeah. looked, have you looked at um, sixty five inches TVs today? No, I haven't actually. So let's be very clear: the cheapest uh, sixty five inch TV at JB Hi Fi right now is six hundred and thirty dollars. Oh right, okay. Okay, so mm-hmm. when they start talking to you about money, um, that's what you need to remember. Um, yeah, okay. And then the new they don't have Sonic anymore. They've got now a brand called F Falcon, double F A L C O N F Falcon. That's oh, a seven. Right. They've got a seven hundred dollar TV from F Falcon. Um, okay. So that's the that's the price of replacing that TV today. Um, yep. okay. I think that's important to know. And mm-hmm. I think then it's also important to really come at this from your own family's perspective of what, well, how long we let, want to let this drag out and what are we prepared to pay? If they give us yep. $200, we're prepared to pay 500 If they give us $300, we are prepared to pay the 400 So that you understand where, where you're willing to go on this um, on a, on a, in a reasonable sense. Because if you were buying a 65-inch TV today and you were asking me which which one to buy, I'd say, look, yep. there's a Blaupunkt and an F-Falcon for $700. Um, yep. but, you know, they're, they're not your top-name brands, and I might even mention that you probably won't get the same life out of them. There's a TCL yep. and a Hisense for $1,000 or $1,100. Mm-hmm. Those things, you call me in six years and that thing's failed, 
I'd, I'd want a very close conversation about resolution, but certainly three and a half, four years definitely should still be working. So yeah, you, you do get yeah. what you pay for. I need to be very close. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, 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 we've bought Sonic before like lots of times and yep. never had any problems with yeah. them. We've just sort of updated them and, yeah. you know, got, got bigger sizes and we've had them for years. And then, yeah, this yeah. one's the first one you that's really what? played up that bad. Go so. back to that email. If they said yep. the word defective, Jesus. They did, yes. Get yep. on it. Just write back and say, thank you for confirming ITV is defective. I'd now like you to replace it under Australian consumer law. Okay. And remember, right, they will always say no. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then well, when fight. they do that, I'll just say, well, uh, I'll contact fight the, the good Department fight. of Fair Trading. Correct. Yep. Great. All right. That's awesome. Okay. You, thank you so much for that. My yeah. Pleasure. Thank you for that. All right. Okay. Good on you. Thanks, Trevor. See ya. Bye. And uh, if you've got a question like Mel, and that's the thing, these are, these are questions that. You know, we're not willing to fight sometimes. Oh, sometimes we don't have the time as well. So um, a tough one, and uh, but I think one that uh, Mel should absolutely fight for. Um, good on you and good luck, Mel. And let me know what happens as well. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Thank you for listening. Trevor along with you taking your calls on anything tech. G'day, Keith. Good day. How are you? Very well, mate. What can I do for you? Um, I've got MYOB. Um, uh Edge. Yep. Oh, my uh, Mac uh, computer. Yep. And um, they're updating the uh, software to yep. Catalina, which is still going from 32 bit to 64 bit. Yes. Um, and NYOB is saying, well, um, we, we can't support that 64 bit. And I was just wondering if there's any way of keeping my MYLB and up, up, uh, upgrading to Catalina? Look, I, there's not. Um, so I had a quick look into this and, you know, um, MYLB are being very clear about this on their website too, which is very good of them because they would know the problem. But the thing is, I would argue, you're you're in a position now where you're being forced to do something that you're going to need to do at some point, which is move to the cloud. Um, you know, MYLB, like their competitor Zero. They run cloud-based services. I think MIOB Essentials is their base level, which which means that you don't have software on your computer. You just log into a website and everything's there. Is there a reason you haven't done that kind of upgrade before now? Yep, because basically I only use it mainly for my superannuation fund and a, uh, a small company I'm running, and they, they want to charge, I think, $25 a month for using their cloud. Yeah. Which I didn't want, you know. I bought this uh, Edge MYOB Edge, or five years ago, yeah. <clears throat> and I paid seven hundred dollars for it. Yeah. Now it's after five years, it's useless. I, I hear. If, you. I, if, yeah. I, if I if I want to keep uh, up, like I, I should upgrade my computer for security reasons as that's, well. And that's this is my biggest problem. The challenge here is that I don't want to have you not upgrade to Catalina because you. It's not going to just be about software anymore. It's going to be about a bit of the security issues as well. Yeah, have, you spoke, right, yeah. have you spoken to your accountant about it? Because what, what I'm curious about, and I'm not an accountant, let me be clear, but I, mm. I, and maybe this is my own innocence, but I justify the subscriptions that I have to, for example, Adobe is another great example. I used to pay $3,000 for Adobe Photoshop, but now I pay 60 70 bucks a month and I get 
Photoshop and a couple of others. But here's what I tell myself. Firstly, they're always up to date. I've always got the latest version. Secondly, it's tax deductible because it's in the business. So it's the same with I run in MIOB um, and I pay, I think, more than 20 bucks a month. But, you know, I pay for a business account that allows my bookkeeper to, to log in and do all the stuff that needs to happen and my accountant to get access to things. And, you know, it's a tax deduction because it's part of the business. Is that not something that you see as being a viable way of running no, it? No, you're, you're running a lot more big, bigger business than me. I'm just you using it privately now. But, yeah. you know, because basically I've used MYOB since 2000, since yep. the GST came yeah, in. No. My, my father-in-law is exactly the same as you. He, he ran it as software I, the whole time. And, and I, I used to run a, a real estate company. Yeah. But I retired and I just kept on using yep. MYOB. Yep. And when I upgraded my computer, I thought, well, I'll keep the thing. And that's when I bought it. I upgraded uh, to the Mac in 2015. Yep. So then I paid the $700. All right, I claimed that as a tax deduction. Yep, okay, no worries. But basically, it's only a small uh, private business now, the, the PTY Limited Company, yep. is, and I, I run the Superfund. But yep. what I have done, I've, I have spoken to my accountant, um, and we are working ways where... I can, um, I'm probably going to close down the company, so I'll probably get rid of that part of it. Yeah, right. And the super superannuation thing, we're organizing something else. For something else. <clears throat> the other thing is, MYOB, God love them, they, I don't think they moved weirdly uh, and ironically given our conversation, they didn't move fast enough to the cloud. They clung on to that software that they had and they were, you know, zero, which is their biggest competitor, took, you know, mm. huge market share off them, uh, Quicken Books. There's a bunch of other services that that will do what you need and may well be a lot cheaper. For example, um, it put, it wouldn't work for your super thing. But before I moved to MIB, I was using a thing. It was only like it was less, a lot less, like hundred bucks a year, and it was just for my invoicing, so I could send invoices and keep a track of it. So there's plenty of services out there, and I guarantee you that they all will have a migration of your MIOB data. So I would spend a bit of time looking at services that will take the data out of MYOB that you can upload and cost far less than perhaps MYOB do. But Keith, unfortunately, the, the other thing I'd say is don't don't be forced into the Catalina upgrade. The Big Sur will continue to run and it will get security updates for at least another year or two. So so it's not that you need to do it today. Yeah. So so even though Catalina is available, don't rush to it. Keep doing what you're doing and work slowly and surely on the right solution for you to move on from your MYOB subscription. Yeah. I'm just annoyed with MYOB as well. You know. I, I can imagine. Totally. Because you've paid 700 bucks for I, I, I know um, there's quite a few people on the web, websites who are not happy with them, but that's the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, mate, you unfortunately, know? that is that is the world today, isn't it? Everything moves towards subscription. There, there's very little we can do. Well, everything, you know, you've got Spotify, you've got yes, uh, Netflix and all the others now, haven't you? Yeah. Everything's what? Uh, prescription, uh, subscription. Everything's a subscription. That is uh, the world today, Keith, and uh, mm. we ain't going backwards, unfortunately, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. I'm sorry I couldn't be more of assistance. But thank you very much for your call. No worries, thank mate. you. Good on you. And if you've got a question like Keith, unfortunately, not every problem can be solved, um, as is evident by Keith's call. Uh, get in touch, go to the website, eftm.com.
Trevor along with you and uh, happy to take your call. Send me an email. Go to the website, eftm.com. We'll, uh, we'll get you on the show. Now, curious um, little new product hitting the market very soon. And I, while I love my drones, I absolutely love having one at my disposal for those moments where I, I think it can make a great photo or a great little shot or whatever it might be. I do worry about people's, I guess, awareness of the rules. And uh, over time, we've had, I think, a very good awareness come through the sales of drones. Um, but the rules haven't just directly changed. They've they've kind of merged with to times. And there's new things like registrations involved. But there's also new products hitting the market, which I think, you know, you've really got to know the rules if you think you're going to be out of flight here in Australia. So the one man we would go to is... The man who knows all the rules uh, in his sleep, as he just said to me, Peter Gibson from CASA, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, who head up uh, and make the rules of how and where you can fly. Peter, g'day, mate. G'day. Mate, I, I, I want to talk about the, the DJI FPV, not, and that's me talking in terms of the, the product itself, but from your perspective, the concept of a first-person view drone where, and if you don't know, folks, we're talking about a drone that you can fly with a set of goggles on that allows you to essentially see through the eyes of the drone. It's an amazing experience, but on its own, a very difficult thing to fly under the regulations, I would have thought. Well, yeah, you can do it, but you can only do it under certain circumstances. So if you're a recreational drone flyer, you're flying for fun, you must not use first-person view. You must have your drone in your line of sight at all times. And the rule is just a common sense one, really. It's so that you've got what we call situational awareness. In other words, you can see what's going on around the drone. So if you're down at a park or something uh, and a kid runs out from, uh, you know, somewhere else in the park towards your drone, uh, you know, the drone might not be pointing at the kid, but, you know, the kid can sneak up on it. And yeah. if you're looking at the drone with your own eyes, obviously you'll see the kid. You can take the appropriate action. But first-person view, you might not. Um, you need other uh, uh, safeguards and, uh, and additional training and procedures if you're going to use first-person view. And I think about the other clear example is uh, other aircraft. It's your responsibility as a drone pilot, recreational or otherwise, to be aware of the surroundings. And a helicopter is a great example. I, I often you know, have helicopters fly over my area because I feel like we're a flight path or something, but it's not an area I would fly because I just don't want the the perception or the risk that, you know, I'm at, you know, let's say I'm at 80 metres in a completely legal to fly area. Helicopters don't fly that low, but gee whiz, it'll look very close and it's my responsibility to get out of the way. It's my responsibility to land. If you're in first person view looking one way and there's a helicopter coming the other way, you will not be able to see that. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And there are there are places around the country where you can be, as you say, quite legally flying your drone, but a helicopter uh, may enter that airspace. Yep. Again, legally as well, they do it. They're legally operating. Everyone's legally operating. Yep. But the responsibility is on the drone owner and flyer to be aware of the uh, presence of the helicopter and to take the appropriate action, which is to bring your, your drone down until the helicopter's passed. Uh, so, yeah, that's a really, really sensible, important um, uh, uh, example there. And, and again, it highlights that if you're just flying for fun, first-person view is a no-go area. But if you want to do that, you can get into other categories of flying where you put procedures in place where you can do it. So what are those procedures? I mean, just broadly too, we're only talking top line here. There's obviously the registration of drones, but that's still recreational. Is it licensing yourself to be able to fly these? Is that the next step you'd have to take? 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's if you want to get into it and do it properly, yep, go and get yourself a licence and uh, you'll uh, do some training and you'll be able to do all these things hunky-dory. One of the keys to first-person view, of course, is often having an observer. Right. So, you know, you're flying the drone, obviously, with the goggles on, uh, but someone else has got the situational awareness. They're just looking at, at the where the drone is and can see 360 degrees around it. So that's one of the precautions that you learn to take. And there's obviously the other procedures as well but um but uh you know in the normal course of flying for fun they're not the sort of things you want to get into which is why we say no to first person view i guess the the problem is a lot of people will push and i you and i talked about drones when they first came out we talked about the regulations and they have essentially not they've not changed really the, the rules haven't changed but they have become more defined and i think we've been more clear about what is allowed and what isn't um in, in over the course of time, is FPV one of those areas that potentially sits grey, grey in its sense that it was never really perceived to be a recreational thing? That the the spotter, for example, I can imagine seeing someone's video and them saying to me, "Yes, no, I had my my wife was there as a spotter." Is that an exception, and, and therefore they're not subject to a fine, for example, or is it um, a grey area where? They're, they're just going to get that, that solid warning of, of what they need to do and, and how they need to take precautions. Yeah, well, the difference is that for recreational flight, for flying for fun, we don't uh, expect anybody to have a set of procedures and follow those procedures. You, yep. you, you're doing it for fun. But we do expect that when you get into, recre- into a commercial uh, and organisational flying that you actually do have set procedures that you're following so that you um, you get the right safety outcomes. And for first-person view, you'll have a set of procedures for doing that. So that's why we move first-person view into that category. Uh, so so you're saying got- first-person view does not exist in the recreational category. You're, you're essentially not allowed to do it. Yeah, correct. That's right. Yep, yep. Steer away from it. If you want to get into that, you need to move up into the commercial slash organisational category where, yes, it can be done uh, and is done often, uh, but is done with a nice set of safe procedures that guarantee you'll get a good outcome. What, what um, where are we at with the, like CASA's movements in terms of fines? I remember there were some obviously some high profile cases we, we, we were made aware of. Um, you know, the Bunning sausage sizzle, there was a few others. Um, Pauline Hanson was one of them, <clears throat> where there was talk of what we saw and what was potentially on the edge of illegal, and, and a lot of fines were d- dispersed over a course of time. But wh- is it common now for you to be uh, dishing out fines on drones, or is it, is it petered off because the rules are kicking in, do you think? Yeah, look, it's it's not common. We don't issue many fines each year. Um, I, off the top of my head, I can't exactly no, remember how many fine. last year, but I, I think it was in the vicinity of about thirty. That's right around the country, yeah. so it's not not many or not many at all. Uh, although COVID obviously impacted yes. on a lot of things, yeah. um, but nevertheless, I mean, our, our aim in most situations is to, uh, in the first instance, you know, obviously look at the circumstances, but if we can, to uh, counsel and educate the person to say, yeah. okay, this is what you did wrong. Now, this is what you should have done. Uh, and, you know, if if you approach it in a cooperative, sensible manner, then we will respond in the same way right. and you're far less likely to get a fine. Yeah. Obviously, if it's something really blatant like flying down the flight path of an approach to yeah. your airport, uh, yeah, you're going to find yourself All your trouble. cooperation ain't going to help you there, buddy. 
<laughs> no, no, because, I mean, that's just damn stupid. And you may indeed end up in, in the courts. Um, but uh, but in normal circumstances where you've transgressed the rules, but it's, you know, an area where we can see you weren't quite sure what you were doing or it wasn't deliberate, you know, then we would much prefer to uh, to go down the path of, uh, of talking through the issues and making sure you've got a good understanding of the rules for the future than, uh, than whacking you in the wallet. Do you think given that uh, one of the biggest drone companies, uh, especially from a consumer point of view, DJI, have released an FPV drone, um, you know, the, the team at CASA will need to be a little bit more vigilant on the monitoring of things like YouTube channels and, and social media because it's very obvious when it's an FPV video, I think, from the from the ones I've seen. Um, will, you, will you need to – because early on you were, you were jumping on the comments and things, kind of letting people know it was, it was you know, not – potentially a, a legal flight. Do you, do you think you need to up that a little bit over the over the months ahead? Yeah, we probably will. You're absolutely right. Um, and look, we don't spend our days <laughs> <laughs> trawling through YouTube. But nevertheless, if, uh, if we come across stuff or someone brings it to our attention, we certainly do look at it. And it certainly can and does form the basis of, uh, of action. Um, so, uh, yeah, bear that in mind that, uh, you know, we, we, if we come across it, we will look at it. Uh, and, yeah, I think we will we'll need to be looking at it. I mean, what it highlights really is that we'll need to do more education and information yeah. in the area of FPV. Um, and, and, and at the end of the day, that's what the registration of drones is really all about, is giving us a better capability to be able to get directly to the owners mm. of the drones so we can target stuff. So when we've got an issue, say FPV, we can whack out an email to, you know, um, at the moment we've got 20,000 commercial and organisational drones registered with us. We can whack out an email to 20,000 people and say, look, here's the issue, here's what you need to be understanding, here's a new YouTube video we've created as education or whatever it might be. Have a look. Because it's unlikely um, and the, the FPV is going to be your first drone, so they're likely to be on your database uh, as a registered user, you would hope. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and look, and eventually when we move to uh, to recreational uh, uh, drone registration in a few years' time, you know, the same thing will apply. We'll be able to get to people more effectively and easily, whereas now, of course, we can spray stuff out over social media and yep. uh, advertising and so forth, but, of course, you don't know whether you're actually reaching the people who... Mm have the drones so you know. let's talk about registration then i'll be honest in my head we'd, we'd reach the point where you needed to have a registration of a you know consumer drone are we not at that point where it's a requirement yet not for recreational flying okay. fun no all commercial and organizational so if you're using it for money or you're using your drone as part of uh, you know a community group or police or fire brigade, whoever they might be, whatever it might be, uh, surf life-saving, they've all got to be registered. Yeah. As I say, we've got about 20,000 registrations, a bit more so far. Yeah. Um, probably a few still out there that aren't registered, but, you know, we're getting there slowly. Um, and the plan is to move in about 18 months, two years' time to uh, bring in the uh, recreational registration as well. Uh, done in two bits because... You know, we didn't want to overstretch ourselves. Yeah, we wanted absolutely. to do the, the smaller sector first, which is the commercial, organisational, and then move on to the bigger sector, which is recreational. But um, we will get there. And as I say, the real benefit of it is not, 
you know, Big Brother watching you so much as giving us the ability to be able to talk to you directly um, and keep that uh, conversation going about uh, about safety. And just finally, for those people that do have a drone and um, like me, love getting it getting it out there. And it doesn't matter to be clear to me and the rules. And this, I think, the problem, Peter. I think there is a black and white rule, and then there's the common sense enforcement of the rule. I feel like FPV falls under that, where he kind of could get away with it, but you know, it's common sense and it's not encouraged. I think the 250 gram limit thing is the same. It's like I can have a little DJI Mini, and it can do pretty much everything that a drone of five years ago could do, um, just because it fits under a certain weight doesn't really change its usage. The rules haven't changed much, have they, mate? It's really keep away from people, buildings, roads. It's keep to a, a height. It's uh, don't fly at night. It's download the Open Skies app and other ones and find out where you can fly legally because the apps these days really do tell you where you can do it. And from there, it's those simple tick boxes around what I'm filming and, and who's around me that, that keep me legal. Yeah, look, that's absolutely correct. And, I mean, there's good reason in one sense for the rules not changing too much because uh, they are designed to be simple and common sense. And uh, and they're exactly as you said, stay away from the aeroplanes and the helicopters, stay away from people, stay away from property. If you don't run into anything, you won't cause any problems. Uh, and uh, and that's, that's at the heart of the rules. Uh, and, of course, as you said, any one of those uh, apps, the free apps there, they tell you if you're too close to an airport, they'll say, this is a red area, don't fly here. Um, so use the app and use a bit of common sense and, and, a, and, a, and a knowledge of the rules. and You won't go wrong ever. Um, and uh, and as I say, it's really our job to just keep uh, trying to remind you of those rules and if things do change, let you know. Uh, but we're not trying to overcomplicate it. The aim here is to let, as far as we can safely, the drone sector flourish, and it's been doing that to date, and we don't want to put a lid on it. Yeah, It's a great sector. It's a great fun thing. I mean, I would take my drone out maybe three or four times a year. It's not really the thing. It doesn't feel like a daily or a weekly thing for many people, but it's just a nice thing to take, especially when you go to a beautiful parts of these countries we're being encouraged to explore right now. I've taken mine out into regional New South Wales a fair bit this, this year, um, it's just lovely to see the the world from another perspective and it's actually not hard to stay legal when you're doing it and still get beautiful photos and video. So it is a fun sector to be involved in, Pete, because you're obviously dealing with the, the heights of commercial aviation right down to m- mum and dad who uh, just want to take a photo from the air of a beautiful property they're staying at or, or they own out in the bush. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's right, and we and, and our intention is never to stop anybody doing that. And ninety nine point nine percent of the time, you can do that really safely and easily. Well, no, it is. It's a fascinating space. I love talking to you because you're, you're passionate about the the space and keeping it safe. And uh, Pete, thanks very much for keeping us abreast of where we're at today. Thank you. EFTM. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM podcast. Now, when we have questions about. What's wrong with a device? How to fix a device? And the old chestnut. What happens if I get water in my device? There's only one person we go to, and that's Benny Nash from iFixit Electronics up at Erinor on the Central Coast of New South Wales, um, who's been doing this stuff for many a year and knows more than I will ever forget about mobile phones and repairs and the like. So I've got him on the line. G'day, Ben. Hello, how are you? Yeah, real good, mate. Now, I, I think this will probably be breaking news to you, but Apple have today announced that their independent repair program has expanded to Australia. Now, 
here's what that means from what I understand, and then I'll get your thoughts. And just for everyone listening, this is the first Ben's hearing about it, so bear with us. But as broadly I understand it, people like you who know how to repair phones and make a business out of it can apply to be part of the Apple Independent Repair Program. You as an individual can then be certified as a uh, as a repairer, and you can then get access to and buy uh, Apple first-party uh, genuine spare parts. Um, is that a good thing, uh, or, or does it not matter to you? If it's anything like the um, the release they did in America where they actually released this same program, That's it, yep. um, they – they make it seem all bells and whistles that they're, that they're being the good guy, but they actually charge quite a lot on those parts. So by the time I added any any of my labor and markup to that to that product, it was not worth me doing in the first place. But so, and what I understand, because I, I have had some conversations with them about it, it, it gives you the option to provide first or third party um, uh, parts. So let's say I send you an iPhone um, 10s with a broken glass back bloody annoying thing, you know, it doesn't, it's a no functional use, but the back of it's broken, right? Um, that's that's going to cost money to repair. Um, and you have the option, if you're an Apple independent repairer, to say to me, the customer, do you want just a glass back or do you want an Apple genuine product? Um, does that not something that you think many people would take up or is it not worth your while? Well, what they what if if you were going to fix that aftermarket, you'd be looking at probably like mid three hundreds. But if you were going to go through Apple uh, through a genuine Apple part, you'd probably find it's going to cost you around six or seven hundred bucks, and Apple will Apple will end up undercutting that and charging four or five hundred. So, if people are going to if I take it to an Apple store. It'll cost four hundred, four or five hundred. If I take it to you, it'll end up being six hundred because you've got to not only charge for the part, but the labour as well. Correct. So Apple will Apple will always try and make themselves look like the good guy and say that they're advertise, that they're letting us buy genuine parts, but in reality, it's not really worth doing because by the time it reaches the consumer, it's too expensive. What's the percentage of devices that you fix that are actually within two years old, or is it more older ones that you're fixing with new screens and stuff because people are going, "I'm going to give this to my kids now, better repair it." Uh, well, I mean, it is it is quite a low rate for the newer ones. Yeah. Um, the iPhone 12, however, like. Um, I haven't had any of yet. Yeah, right. Do you reckon that's because it's bloody, what do they call it? A different style of glass of some sort? They don't even call it glass? Well, or is it just the iPhone? The iPhone 12s are quite locked down. So if if you actually change the battery in them, if, if I change a battery in them, you lose the battery health app. Uh, right. Um, if I change the display, you lose True Tone. And you will always have a notification on your display that says your display may or may not be genuine. And if I change the camera in it, you end up losing like, the panorama mode ends up playing up, the flashlight plays up, and the camera app, the whole camera app basically just plays up. So they're locking down the devices so much that third parties can't work on them anyway. So do you think this then, this announcement is actually a move towards, let's, let's just envisage where six years in advance of this, there's now an iPhone 15, um, and you know, you're you're getting requests for 12s and 13s and 14s. You kind of, by then, you will need to be part of this program because you'll need to get those genuine parts. Well, the issue is with the, with the battery in the screen, it doesn't matter if it's actually a genuine part or not. What matters is the serial number of the part. Right. So if you buy two iPhone 12s brand new out of the box and you swap their batteries and their screens, you'll get the same issue. 
it's even though they're genuine parts, they still get the problem because the original serial number of the battery is different to what you just put in. But but that's not the case if I take it to an Apple store. So correct must, because so, they reprogram it to expect a different serial correct. number. So under this program, you would be trained and authorized to do that reprogramming. No, they won't give you access to that programming. Find that <clears> hard to believe, given that's the 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 whole intent of the program is to allow. Anyone to do it? Yeah, that's what they price. Yeah, that's what they make it look like. But I'd be very, very, very surprised if they actually give us access to that programming. How much money have you had to spend on equipment to be able to fix all these bloody things? Because it's not just like you've got a soldering iron and a and a pair of you know screwdrivers, is it? It's an expensive gear to be in. Yeah, by the time you buy your microscopes and you have like good decent computers and stuff, it's probably about ten or fifteen grand. Yeah. And is business the same as it as it has been over recent years, or has it changed a bit because of the type of devices and the style of repairs? Yeah, well, every every time a new device comes out, we've got to, we've got to buy new new gear and find new ways to get around things. Um, you know, like they they used to be just a standard um, sort of double sided circuit board. Now they're actually two circuit boards joined together. So we've got to relearn how to separate those boards and how to you have to relearn everything every time a new phone comes out tough game you're in yeah what's the most common repair that you have to do is it just screens um screens batteries water damage um data recovery of all sorts uh, data recovery comes in many forms but so what sort of data recovery is possible because I, you hear that a lot from people who i don't know let's say they've got a smashed screen on an iphone 7 they have no desire to fix the phone because they've got an iphone 12 right they've just got it on the contract or whatever um but what can you get off a phone well, if if it's if you've just got a broken display, you can just attach a new screen to it and then boot the device up, and then you can get everything off of it. You don't actually so you, have to so fix the part. You're not actually actually extracting the data. You're just getting it working to a point where it can be iCloud connected or whatever it might be. Correct, and you do the same sort of thing with water damage. Basically, I just get the phone working to a point where I can get the data off it. But with water damage, you have to rebuild parts of the motherboard to do so. So basically, oftentimes the the desire from people isn't to fix the problem it's to prevent the loss of that that information so you can say to them look for this amount of money if you're willing to pay it i can get it working and and get your rcloud backup done and from there you just need a new phone and you're good to go because correct i guess the cost of doing that is still going to be way lower than repairing all the parts of it that would make it a, a workable phone after you know extensive water damage for example Correct, yeah. So like in, if in water damage, if you've got, um, say, let's just say an iPhone 8 that's water damaged um, and it's not turning on, if I can get it to a point where it turns on, I don't care if it's got sound, if it gets reception, if the cameras work, um, yeah. if it charges properly, as long as it turns on and holds enough charge that I can sort of back it up, that's all that matters. That's the only priority. Do you need to get access to people's iClouds accounts to do that? must be a bit of a pain in the bum because you've got two-factor authentication and all that raz going on these days. It's very, very rare that I get people that will ask me to do an iCloud backup. It's usually always I plug it into the computer and extract everything onto my computer. Uh, okay, right, and then you just provide that and they can get it, do their own response from, from iTunes. Correct, yeah. Fair enough. Well, there. it sounds like you're not going to be applying for the Apple certified, whatever it's called, program because... 
I don't know. Just... I'll, I'll, be, I'll be watching it. I'm, I'm curious, but um, I, don't, I don't think it's. I, don't, I think it's all just bells and whistles. Do you think it's more a mid-level thing where it's, it's you know, uh, someone who's got a shop front in a in a Westfield that you know has a better better approach to this kind of thing because they've 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 got a physical approach, or do you think it's just the anyone below Apple don't need it? I I don't I don't, I don't think it'll be any any repair shop will be that into that that sort of interested in jumping on board if it's anything like the American system. Yeah, well, as what I can tell, it's exactly the American system. All right, mm. fascinating. Well, uh, if you if you read up about it, if you find details about it and you find out that it's better or worse than you, than the initial thought of, of how it runs in America, uh, let us know, mate. You, uh, you're always good in getting in touch, so it'd be good to hear from me on that stuff. Cool. Thanks, Trevor. Good, man. Thanks for getting in touch. Thanks for chatting, mate. I'm, uh, I'm fascinated by what you do, and um, you're too smart because, mate, the shit that you have to, you know, pull apart and repair, pff, I, I would just – I would send it to you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Good, man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. And uh, you can find Ben uh, online. He's uh, He's got a physical presence up in Erina on the Central Coast, or you can find him at uh, ifixelectronics.com.au. Get in touch anytime you want. Just go to the website, eftm.com. Uh, click on Ask Trev. My favorite type of, of request comes through. It says, I feel like I could be wasting your time. No, I'm telling you no. Because if you think it's a waste of time, there's other people that are going, nah, mate, that's a good question. So uh, someone with such an email is Dean from WA. G'day, Dean. Hi, Trevor. How are you, mate? What's going on, my man? Oh, the world of phones, mate. iPhones in the family. Yep. You're, 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 you're deep in the ecosystem, are you? Rightio. <laughs> yeah, too, too, too far committed now. Um, and, of course, teenagers now who are whinging about the fact that their iPhone 6, heaven forbid, is not up to scratch for all the apps and details and even what we need to do with them. And so you say to them, back when I was a boy, and you pull out a rotary doll phone and I say, keep in touch with your friends using that. Exactly. Good luck to you, I say. Yeah. So rather than me invest too much money in their phones, what we'll, we're looking at, wife and I have a, a XR, mm-hmm. both of us, yep. quite happy with that. Probably don't need to upgrade it because it's fine and functioning well. Thinking of giving the girls that and then, of course, looking at upgrading our phones. What I'm trying to do is I don't need any pro, I don't need a mini, I'd be looking at an 11 or a 12. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to look at is features and benefits and am I wasting my time trying to spend another 300 or 350 bucks on the 12 over the 11? What's the big advantage that I should look for? Because over two phones at 700 bucks, I don't really need a new phone anyway. Can you help me? What should be the key focuses I'm looking at to make my mind up on an 11 or a 12? Well, the key focus here is keeping your, uh, your daughters happy. <laughs> well, they're definitely going to be happy. I'm I sure. mean, everyone says happy wife, happy life. Are you kidding me? It's happy kids, happy life. But anyway, Correct. Well, I've got a house full of females. So I'm just trying to keep all of them happy. Mate, so. Honestly, the the problem you've got is going from the 10R to an 11 is the world's most incremental jump. Although there's some camera benefits, okay? Because the 10R, yeah, um, single little lens camera, um, you know, nothing fascinating there. I'm pretty sure, as I recall, the iPhone 11 has the dual camera, you know, so you're getting that wide-angle camera. Great. Awesome. Um, but honestly, you're not going to notice a difference in in those phones. Unless you yep. take a lot of photos, you're going to really love that wide-angle. It is very cool to have, but that's the only yep. big step in, in that device. Um, the iPhone 12, let's be clear, is, you know, it's it's a solid 
year older than that, which makes it two and a bit years older than the 10R you've got. So there's definitely a speed performance issue there. I think the the screen is much better. I think the size in the hand is better. I think the the screen looks better because it, it goes further to the edges. There's a bunch of um, physical benefits and visual benefits. But again, in everyday use, I doubt you'd notice. Um, yeah, okay. So... You know, it, is the five G worth it? I read no, about the five G. I looked all. at the maps. Not no, at the moment. Okay, that probably answers part of the question because I thought that could have been one of the other advantages. Oh, look, you're nearly you know, saying to me then, apart from photos, I could just go and buy another couple of uh, XRs maybe and save the money and just get on with life. Well, yeah. I mean, the yeah. other the, so a ten R is eight hundred and forty nine dollars. Yeah. But let me be very clear: the iPhone SE. So have they got sixes or six pluses? Uh sixes. The iPhone SE, which is available today at $679, brand new from Apple. Get it in product red. They'll love it. It's beautiful. Is the exact same size as the 6. It's the exact same physical shape as the 6. The button is still there, but the camera is improved, and it's the guts of an iPhone 11. Oh, wow. Okay. So that because part of the issue is the... The apps now aren't upgrading, exactly. of course, because the new spot you know, on, and that's that's term. why so it's that, a, that's the drama we've got with those older ones. That's not teenagers whinging. That's a genuine concern for anyone using yeah, an iPhone yeah. six that does download apps. So my yeah. my son has an iPhone. Uh, I'm going to say 10, 10s maybe. Um, and I've told him, mate, that's going to last you until year twelve. You got to get four years out of that thing because it will still get all the apps in year twelve. Uh, you know, Apple has like a five to six year cycle on these things. He'll be fine. Um, yeah, okay. The iPhone SE, so the, your daughters, here's where your daughters have mucked up. They haven't said, <laughs> Dad, this, we, we prefer a bigger screen or we need need a bigger screen. They've, they've just said the apps don't work. So the iPhone SE is going to absolutely solve their problem. It's a great phone. You, all your existing accessories will work, you know, 679 bucks each. All right, that could be the solution. I thank you for your time. It's exactly what I wanted to know. Uh, probably don't need to overinvest at this stage, I don't reckon. Don't blame don't blame me. The girls will hate me. I don't want the girls to hate me. <laughs> they, they won't hear it, mate. You'll be fine. All, All right. right, make sure they don't listen. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for getting in touch. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Good Joe. You. Bye, no mate. worries. See, never a silly question at all. Um, just doing our best to save everyone money. Anyway, um, if you've got a question, go to the website, EFTM.com. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Now, I've been trying to get a hold of this next bloke for some time, and he's going to think, well, oh, he's so good. He's so popular. Because he is. He's bloody popular in on TikTok and in business. What he does is, uh, is combine those two things, and I think it's just awesome, and it's brilliantly perfect that today – we did align the planets and we are chatting because it's, uh, as we mentioned earlier with Ben, Apple have announced this uh, new program for authorised repairer. And I'm talking about Max Hawker. Now, Max, you'll find a very a very business-like approach on Instagram at Hawker IT. But if you search for Max Hawker, uh, one word, Max Hawker on TikTok, it's a whole other world. I'm telling you, the content this guy creates makes me smile Every time he comes up in my feed, and that's why I hit the follow, and I try and get the algorithm to work for me, so I see it more often than not. And he's on the line. G'day, Max. G'day, Trevor. Mate, what an introduction. Well, this. So here's the thing. I'm going to go one step further, right? I'm, I'm going to go one step further and say, listen, I want people who've never experienced TikTok. So this is a very difficult thing to do in a uh, in an audio sense. 
because you won't see the pictures. But I want to give people a sense of your enthusiasm for your work, right? Here it is. Here's a bit of a different one. We've got an iPhone 7 Plus in that's liquid damage, apparently left out in the rain overnight. Opening it up, it actually doesn't look as bad as I thought it would. However, I can tell by these adhesive tabs that it's been taken apart before and this sticker on this screen here. With the display assembly FPC cover off, we can see inside here and it doesn't look bad at all. We've got it connected to my DC power supply. And by switching it on, it's sitting at two amp, which means there's a short to ground. I know there's a short circuit on this logic board because when it's connected to DC power supply, it shouldn't draw any power until it's told to turn on. I'm gonna take this iPhone 7 Plus logic board out of the housing, have a physical look at it with my scope and see where the corrosion's at. With the logic board out, can you tell me where the corrosion's at? Hmm? With the corrosion cleaned up, we can see this dude here is gross as. Looks like those capacitors are part of the backlight circuit. They're gonna remove that capacitor and I reckon we'll get a boot. With that gross capacitor gone, the shorts cleared, the phone's boot. That's another successful repair, mate. That's the best ever. I love your enthusiasm, Max. I love it. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate it big time, mate. I couldn't actually hear anything on my end there. So oh, I'm not it was quite your... sure which one you So it was your most I think I've scrolled, it's your most popular video. Um eight hundred and forty eight thousand people have watched this video about an iPhone seven with water damage. Um it... <laughs> It's staggering to me that you could make a little video in what appears to be your home office. I don't want to pry, but, you know, you made a lot of videos. No, no, for sure. Um, and and you can get 900,000 people watching a video. Does that not blow your mind? Um, without uh, Humbly, it really does. Uh, it's quite full on. I've never seen, it, like, first and foremost, I've never seen anything um, the, like the organic reach that TikTok has actually provided. Mm. Um it's absolutely crazy. I kind of miss, like, not miss out as much, but by the time I got involved with business in late 2015 and I jumped on Facebook and all that kind of stuff, um, there was already such an emphasis on pay. And not, not that I'm against paying for advertising or anything, yeah. but the organic was already kind of, um, the boat was gone. I missed yeah. the train yeah. um, to say so in such a way. Yeah, yeah. But um, with TikTok being such a, I mean, it's not really that new in um but it is in the grand scheme. It, it, it is. It you're is. right. In, in yeah. its in its in its reach and its growth, this is the time. But here's what I'm interested in: how far back did how long have you been doing TikTok? Because if you look at your videos, um, yeah. a they they look kind of normal TikToks early on, and then suddenly I think you found this vibe about just documenting a repair, and For it sure. seems like that's where it took off. Did do you ever? For sure. Like, did it, was it obvious that it took off or did it really just happen um, randomly? So I've done just over a hundred videos and I've been posting for around about nine months now. And um, what I noticed is uh, first I came across TikTok way back in the day when it was musically. Um, yep. And I didn't I, even, that was, I was still running a business at the time, but there was no um, tool there or no need for me to really lip sync um, a song. Mind you, I did uh, post a couple back in the day just because I like creating content um, yep. as well, mate. It's not just um, for the business. I really, I think um, all the tools that we've got, whether it's um, LinkedIn or Facebook or TikTok, to be able to create, uh, show your personality through uh, content, there's a lot of different avenues there. But um, but really what happened, mate, is um, I tried a few different ways. Like It probably took me about um, maybe eight to 15 videos to really work out what, um, what kind of grabbed, um, people. And that, not that I was after, I'm not after the metrics, mate. I'm not after whatever the biggest views are or anything. I want to be able to, um, 
to have fun while doing it and also have a purpose uh, to doing that. So it, it's all good having fun, but if no one's consuming it, yeah. then, oh, I mean, yeah. it kind of affects the fun as well. So so it's a bit, it would be like you doing a podcast, mate, Not even though if you are fully enthusiastic about it, if no one's listening, there's not much inspiration there. I, so I it, say it, that every single week. I say, listen, I just need to know you're out there. I mean, I, I know yep. the metrics. I've got them and you get them in a views, but yep. it's not quite the same. A view and a listen is not quite the same as a – as a as a viewer and a listener, yeah, um, and and I think that's fascinating because I keep looking at TikTok, going, oh man, what what should I be doing? What could I be doing? But then I go, there's not just no way it fits into my my style and and what I do. But you've, I, I just find it fascinating that you've now grown to a to a page or an account that has over a hundred thousand followers, um, yeah. with one point three million likes on your videos. Blows and, me away. And you can publish a video of you doing a repair on a screen or whatever. And, mate, to be very clear to people, and this is why you need to watch these videos, just just to understand what I'm talking about, this is not a bloke that just gets a screwdriver and opens up the back and switches the battery out. The, the equipment you have blows my mind. Like, you've got a laser thing that guts the back off phones. You, you, yeah. can, you can remove what appeared to me to be a, a, a resistor or a thing on a circuit board that's the size of a bloody smaller than a grain of rice and put a, yeah. put a new one in it's, yeah for it's, sure it's proper skill no i really i really uh, once again i humbly do appreciate a big time that i do think um what um people like myself do on the board level um rather than component level and that's not to shoot anyone down mate i was component level for a majority what do you of mean what's business. the difference um, what does that mean component mean so compo- i can replace a screen level- and a battery yeah, so component level, any of the components of a device. So whether you're replacing, whether it's a computer, where you're replacing like um, in a laptop, like a keyboard or a display, um, trackpad, yeah. uh, hard drive, for example, mm-hmm. as opposed to what you're talking about, which is the um, components or the parts that are actually on um, the circuit board. So um, yeah, circuit level. So things like you just mentioned, a resistor, perhaps a capacitor, um, IC, which is uh, the little chips you see. They look yeah. like little uh, blocks. That's IC just means integrated circuit. Um, all these things do obviously they have their purpose and they have their job um, to make make it all work. So it, to have a trackpad is one thing, but you've got to tell that trackpad how to do its job, and that all comes down on the circuit level of things, which is what you're talking about when I'm um, replacing those um, tiny bits uh, using all those um, tools that I have. Uh, as you've how seen in those videos, how many bits have you made. got? Because there's so many bits. Like, are there bits that you have yeah. to order one on one, or do you have For to sure. keep ten of everything? For sure. So there's um, items that uh, break commonly. So, for example, I don't want to lose anyone here, but there's a particular um, charging chip in, um, well, every device, uh, as far as I know, that have um, that need charging. They would have some kind of circuitry that en- enables them to do that. But particularly with um, the iPhone, popular iPhone series, we've got a chip um, called a TriStar. Mm. So essentially, that is really common to break. Um, just sometimes it gives up on life, it seems, but particularly <laughs> what I know, yeah, it, it's not, I don't, I'm not in this bandwagon where I believe it's engineered in that way. I think that um, when people are taking their phone out of um, their home, plugging it into their car on the way to work and all these kind of things, perhaps that, I, I mean, I don't, yep. I don't know at the end of the day, Trevor, but those kind of things, um, that's a particular chip that fails all the time. So for something like that, I'll carry brand new ones on hand all the time. Um, and then other chips that are once off, I very well have uh, what you would call a graveyard or just a place where all my dead boards go to um, oh, of course. to sit there and I'll, I'll harvest those chips or those parts from those as need be, which, it, like I'm saying, it could be one or two offs. 
Um, it, but yeah, the popular, in short, the popular, popular items, I would carry um, Brent and anything that I can access, which is a whole nother hmm. um, conversation in its own because some of these um, board level components are quite hard to get a hold of. Um, but yeah, you carry the ones that are popular, that you use all the time, and the ones that you don't, then you have to kind of MacGyver it in such a way and hopefully come up with a, another solution. We'll come back to your, your videos in a second. I want to talk about this, the story of the day, which is Apple announcing their... Uh, independent repairer program is coming to Australia. Now, this is a program that's launched uh, a couple of years ago in in Europe and Canada and um, and America, um, which basically allows smart geniuses like you to say, I know how to fix stuff. Um, I want to be certified as an Apple repairer and I want to be able to offer my customers official Apple products. It feels like to me, remember the used car sales, it's like Repco sure. would sell an oil filter, but Toyota would say, no, no, use Toyota parts. And we're like, yeah, but a Repco one's just fine. Thanks. I don't need an oil filter from Toyota. It sounds like that to me. Is it the kind of thing that will have an impact or that you need to be part of? Do people care what the part is or do they just want it fixed? Um, this can become quite a big conversation, but in my opinion, for one, uh, full disclosure, I haven't looked into that um, news that's come out. If it's anything like the programs that's come out um, in other places of the globe, like you've uh, mentioned, it's not something right now that or I could see in the future that I'd be interested in. Mm. And re- really, the, the big thing here is, I'll give you a bit of an um, example. If I have a um, new mother, she's had a child for the last two years, and she drops her phone um, in a pool or something like that, and it becomes water damaged. Those, as far as I know, I, I will stand corrected yeah. if I'm incorrect here with these um, new programs coming out in Australia. But as far as I know, Apple um, or any manufacturer really won't offer that kind of repair. So they'll just say, your, your device is damaged, you need a new logic board. Yeah. And unfortunately, Trevor, when you need a new logic board, that means your data is gone. Yeah. So. For example, for someone in my shoes that can um, fill that gap in the market and provide that um, service that yes. otherwise an authorised repair centre can't, that it, it, it's just, that's why I would not ever get involved with something like that. Plus, um, there, there's a lot, a lot more. That's only one example that I could really give yeah. you right off the cuff. But, but essentially, I think your, your, jo- your, your goal is to find the gap in the market to excel in so that when people have those unfortunate incidents, and really a lot of the time they don't want, is it the case they don't want to repair the phone, they just want to make sure they don't lose their data for their... For sure. So with water damage in particular, it all comes down, like just going on this example, it all comes down to how severe that water damage is. So sometimes I'll open up a device and I'll refer to it like a biscuit or something, because you'll look at it and it'll just be a ball of rust, mate, pretty much. So it comes down to, can I get this device? Because with all um, mobile devices these days you need them to boot up to the home screen to then yeah. unlock those devices in yes. order to get them to either communicate with an sd card because, or because all the data is the securely data. and apple talks about sure. the security and privacy yep. it's not like you can take the hard drive out of an iphone no. and put it into another one it needs to be Correct. done through the actual device itself for sure so for the example like let's say someone leaves their laptop on top of their uh, car they take off to work then they realize oh bugger of um my car my laptop's fallen on the road their laptop's toast Typically, unless it's got BitLocker, um, which then the customer needs a key to that, typically what the customer can do is just hand off that um, laptop to any old tech and anyone worth um, worth your time should be able to remove that hard drive, plug it into a computer and away you go. Devices aren't like that. We need the device, like you've mentioned, the device is encrypted. We yeah. need it to boot up to then be able to unlock the device with the passcode or yeah. um, password. 
than to trust it to a computer to take the data out. So in short, like I've got um, all the information on my website there, you need the device working in order to get access to the data. So for that, if you say, for example, like I'm saying, with if you take it to an authorised repair centre, they will tell you replace the logic board. That means... Data's Your gone. data's gone. Which is why no, which is why if you've ever made an appointment at an Apple uh, Genius Bar, they say to you, back up your device beforehand because we ain't guaranteeing nothing here because sure. that's what they do. That's how they operate. But if you're someone who has never had iCloud backup, let alone otherwise, you've got all those photos. It's a really important thing, like you say. Yeah. That's why the, the mother and the kids is a great um, uh, heartstring-style story to use, isn't it, in that sense? And I think it's fascinating that you, you've you got a website, hawkerit.com, where you, mate, you've got basically, you've got quotes, you've got prices up there because you do certain things things they cost certain amounts it's it's a very open model that you have it must appeal to people that they can just literally post you a device that's your model is mail it to me i'll get it sorted for sure so predominantly i've been operating um for around about five years now and predominantly all my work i live up um in north queensland in the whit sundays and um I life, a, hey? uh, it, I it is oh, get the violins out yeah, I know. It's bloody terrible, mate. But um, it is a fantastic part of the world. I've been here for a majority of my life. And really, um, the goal from day dot, even before IT, mate, I always wanted to build a business and be able to sustain a dream of the Sunday's dream. Just live up here, go yeah. fishing by the weekend, work uh, my ass off throughout the week and um, build something that I really enjoy doing. And evidently, that's ended up uh, for now being IT and what I do um, for my customers and every day, really. But um but really, what with that heartstring story and everything that we're saying there, mate, I think um, I just it's a it's not so like don't get me wrong, it's not so much that I'm giving you the worst case scenario and that's a heartstring I'm playing on. I can't tell you the satisfaction that you actually get yes, with yes. that particular scenario where someone does need a hand with that and you're actually able to give them that result where otherwise they wouldn't be able to have those photos back. Now, now of course, everyone can be what I would recommend to everyone is get on the train of being able to back it up, whether that's through totally. um, iTunes or Smart Switch or even through cloud um, solutions, whatever you can, get on the good foot. But in, in the event that otherwise it goes backwards, um, definitely feel free to hit me up. But like I was, um, like you actually mentioned or or I was going on about, locally, I've, or that's where I built my business, mate. And it's really in the last, um, since this TikTok thing has, um, it, it's hard, Trevor. I don't want to not give TikTok too much i don't want to <laughs> give it too much credit because yeah. uh, and this is me being straight up honest with you mate i put my and i really hope this doesn't come across the wrong way i put my bits myself and my business in the position to be able to create content to then work on tiktok um at a serendipity i never planned on tiktok coming along yeah. but because it has and i've been able to utilize that tool now i'm doing these repairs nationwide which is always this has always been part of the plan part of the plan has been yep become um a big wholesaler and retail uh retailer for repairers like myself um that's for computer and um device related um products and then not only that to also offer this mail-in thing the dream of of living in the wit sundays and being able to build and and once again i don't want to come across too cheeky here but there's only so much that a area can provide, and especially a town of. I mean, yeah, I could totally. be misquoting this, but there's could, only. That, but you could pick yeah, Sydney. Sorry. You could be in Sydney and yeah. still struggle because there's 55 different people sure. doing this job. So it doesn't matter whether you're in Timbuktu, the Wit Sundays, yeah. or a big city. There's only a, there's a physical limitation to having a shop front, let alone having a business in that area. So the ability For to sure. create something that is national, and brilliantly, and and almost accidentally use a platform like TikTok to build sure. it 
is, uh, mate, that's just fantastic because I'm assuming this has been your best year of business ever, um, you know, with those mail-ins coming in because you don't even know what's coming, do you? You don't even know how many are coming this week. So so the way I've got it actually set up, I've, um, so I, I try and automate it as much as I can because after this all kind of popped off after about um, – well, like I said, I've always wanted to get into mail-ins. And then after I started posting, and like you mentioned, some of these videos have gone absolutely crazy. And I'll actually um, just correct you on one of those um, videos there. You said up to uh, 800,000. My biggest viewed video on there is 1.8 million, which to me is uh, to even to be able to capture that at a, and 75% of those views have come from within Australia. I was going to so ask even, you whether you've got that analytics because that's yeah, I see it now, 1.8 million. And other, so, so, another, yeah, so, other iPhone XR rear dis- display and rear glass. Very simple. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So something like that, if you just, uh, I mean, I'm very, I haven't looked at these analytics in a while, but if you work out 1.8 million and 75% of those 1.8 million, some of them could be repeat view, sure, but 1.8 million, 75% of those are Australians. That's a number that I couldn't, um, I couldn't even fathom before, Matt. I'll be dead honest with you. My website would be getting 300 views tops. Yeah. Um, every month uh, prior to TikTok, and yeah. now um, I'm hitting up to upwards of 10k in a month. Which, yeah. it, 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 when you live in a town of 30, 35,000 people, and a third of that is coming, um, I always say to people because yeah. I, I um, I'm so um, shall we say anal about stats and data that I have a I sure. have three TVs on my wall here in the office. One of which is my security camera, so I can see it's at the front door. One of them is playing the TV, so I can watch TV, and the other one is just Google Analytics. Because I always yep. look at it and I go, "Oh, there's 55 people right now in my store." Well, you yep. know, like I think about it that way. You think there's physically, if there was this many people in a physical place, people would be going, "What is he doing?" And that's that's the great thing you can do because, mate, you obviously work alone, and this. Yeah, it is. Is is it, is it right to say that because you work alone, this gives you a bit of a connection too? Because I feel like you're you're essentially well, performing when you're making those videos, so you feel like you've got someone to to talk to, but it's actually yourself and TikTok. Reason why I just said wow, Trevor, is um, like I said, I've been doing this for five years. I've never had anyone even mention that aspect to me. It's something I've only um, I might have mentioned to my big brother or something like that, but it's something I've only ever kept to myself. And to be honest with you, I've gone through, uh, I think being, uh, the word can sound a bit grubby to me sometimes, but I think being an entrepreneur can mm-hmm. sometimes um, sound really pretty upfront. But once you get involved with it, the honest, the true reality of it is it's pretty lonely Slightly. at the best yep. of times. Yep. Um, and I think um, to add on to what you're saying there, there was there's definitely been times where I felt incredibly alone. Um, despite whatever successes or um, or trials and tribulations I've had throughout the years, yep, yep. There's, there, there's been plenty of times where um, I have felt quite alone. I've since been over that. It's not TikTok that's got me over that. I mean, after doing something for five years, you better hope that you're still not feeling alone. I can't imagine that's, um, yeah, it's not too good for your um, mental health there, mate. So th- these are early, um, earlier days, perhaps at the two, two to two and a half year mark where I um, went through those feelings. Yeah. Um, but to answer your question, um, which absolutely baffles me that you've even um, come up to that, mate, it definitely, it gives me such a sense of, even though I'm here by myself and I've always loved it, it gives me a whole nother reason to love it and to be able to share my work with people. And not only that, mate, I've got a great, um, I've got my little sister and my um, little brother and an older brother. So I've got awesome siblings. I've got awesome friends around me that um, definitely cheer me on in what I'm doing, but um, it's a different kind of sense. So uh, say for example, if I try and explain to a mate, uh, what's going on, like my best mate Sean or something like that, what's going on with um, a device, 
he'll be interested and engage with me, but it won't be so much like um, a conversation where with something like TikTok, I have people that even though they're random, it's almost like they're reaching out to me to know more about my job. Yes. And that gives me a whole nother reason to get involved with it. So that's not taking away. Everyone around me has, is a product of where I'm at today Absolutely. as well. Yeah. But um, the, the sense of community is what I'd, uh, what I'd pref- uh, pref- uh, refer to them as. Yeah. Is, um, it, it blows me away, mate. And to have that, um, like you said, a hu- just over 100,000 people that sit there and um, perhaps some casual watchers, there's a definitely a core there that absolutely um, – love watching my videos i'll get even just uh, i'm sure you've experienced it trevor where you get people reaching out to you going hey i just wanted to reach out to you and tell you thanks for your content like i really appreciate it and to um it's it's just unreal it's something i've it's, it, i've never experienced it before all it's i'm doing really, is running a, a business it, mate. It's, it's a really lovely um people you talk about ego is a funny word right i've got an ego i yep. know it i wouldn't be sure. on television if i didn't have an ego right but sure you know it's a really lovely feeling that someone says they saw you like when someone says to me oh, i saw you on the today show or i heard your podcast or whatever it is it's a really lovely feeling because it means like it's a validation that, that there is actually a purpose to what you're doing and that's why i find yep. it fascinating what you've done and the other thing i wanted to know quickly about tiktok is there's there's a lot of when in the the people that I scroll past and scroll through and I, I see a lot of people kind of complain about how it's changed and the algorithms changed and not yep. as many people are viewing on there's a there's a funny bloke who does little Johnny videos they're just jokes and um, he's yep. got like a million followers it's very very funny but he turned into this you know, he's just whinging about how his videos aren't getting as many views sure. it's like dude why you just just do it just keep doing what you're doing but is the algorithm a problem in that you know getting that exposure is is harder even when you've built the audience because that's the problem I have with um, Facebook, for example, as you mentioned. If you're not paying, you're not getting. And so sure. is, it, is it tending towards that way, though, TikTok as a platform? I, I would still think it's early days for me to have that um, have an opinion on TikTok, whether um, the organic is going out of it. I still very much think um, even Facebook, regardless of whatever your opinion is, it's trying, obviously the metrics do matter to a sense, especially businesses. But You can't not, not be that, there. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it, this is a really hard thing because I think at the end of the day, if you really love what you do, which is should be at the core of why you do it, like not to get too deep here, mate, but that should be at the core of why you do anything. It shouldn't really be about how to, um, how many views can I get, how many followers can I, because you can, you can have 10 million followers and they kind of care about you or you can have a mm. hundred fanatics that live by what you say and to me, I'm, I mean, uh, it's hard to compare those metrics. But oh, mate, you I, are talking I, my language. I, I say this all the time to people about we have a little group on, on Facebook uh, called The Man Cave and it's I don't I don't care that it's only 2,000 people out of the 18,000 who like the page. I'd, I'd prefer that it was 2,000 really highly engaged and respecting sure. people rather than a million people who are just whinging at each other and don't have a real understanding or respect for what what I do, let alone what everyone else does. It's it's a fascinating world when you work in um, when you're working on something as specific as you do. Yet you're branching out into a very publicish um, uh, platform sure. like, like TikTok, and I, I I just love what you do. I, I really think that what you do. The the last thing I want to know is it's a sixty second video where you sum up what you do to something. How long does it bloody take? Like, what's the average as, repair time? Because I'm assuming it's not I'm, 60 oh, seconds. So when I'm, no. So it's all depends. Repairs vary. But I'd probably yeah. give or take between an hour or two, depending yeah. on the repair. Some can blow out, mate. Some you can go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. And once you've committed to that rabbit hole and you <laughs> want to get it solved, sometimes I look at the clock at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning or something like that, and I'll go, 
oh, geez, I've just burnt X amount of hours. This is definitely not ROI positive now. Yep. But once again, uh, going back to that, met- uh, talking about metrics, it's not always about that. Um, if I'm committed and I know that I can get a solution, the hours, sure, I, it can cause a bit of a problem, especially um, like you mentioned, I am only one person, but I don't have anyone else here helping me. So it can cause a bit of lag and a bit of a flow-on effect. But if I know that I can get something solved, um, and it's only $180 repair compared to the next one um, being a lot more money for a shorter amount of time. I'm not going to brush that out. aside. It's just a, it, it's a matter of can I get this solved and is there going to be value for the customer? And it, it, as corny as that may sound, the, if the answer is, yeah, it's, well, let's get this sorted. Sometimes I've got to brush them apart. Other yeah. times I've got to come, uh, come back to them. But I'd probably roughly between that hour to two-hour mark from start to finish, um, would be a good time frame uh, for those more sophisticated repairs to get them um, done across the line. And then, um, obviously, there's a lot more that goes into it than that. Yeah. But, yeah, that would be a very rough amount of time uh, to knock out one of these repairs. Well, somewhere in a drawer downstairs here in the EFTM office, I've got an iPhone 10 or 10s with a smashed back glass. I'm going to send it to you, and you're going to charge me double for the repair because I've taken <laughs> I've taken half an hour of your time. I told you we'd talk for 10 minutes, but I just I love what you do, and you're, you're a great talker. And, yeah, Matt, I'm just fully engaged in what you do, and I appreciate you you're spending sure. so much time with me because you've got a job to do and get back to. But, mate, No, uh, awesome. I appreciate the opportunity. Honestly, I uh, do, Trevor. You're the first person to reach out to me and say jump on my podcast. So thanks for being my first, mate. I hope it's uh, the first of many, and um, I'm more than happy to jump on any time and give you a bit of a chat if you're ever after that. You're a good man. You can follow Max on uh, on uh, TikTok, Max Hawker, H-A-W-K-E-R, and uh, go to Hawker IT. Uh, one word, dot .com, hawkerit.com, and um, send him your gear that needs fixing. Good on you, Max. Thanks for the chat. Thanks, thanks, Trevor. Enjoy the rest of your day. I think I've gone overtime again. Whoops, sorry. Anyway, fun. And listen, I uh, Ben is a super upfront bloke and really knows his stuff, and anyone in the Central Coast of New South Wales, he's your guy for fixing phones and the like. Really appreciate him coming on the show and being so open with me, as he always is. But I also appreciate Max Hawker for being super open. I mean, he and I actually probably talked for another 15 minutes after the one we recorded, just chatting about life and business. Seems like a top bloke. If I'm ever in his area, we're definitely catching up for a steak on me. And I am going to send him that phone. I'm going to He better charge me double because I took way too much of his time, and he's a man that for whom time is money. So, yeah, follow Max on TikTok, um, tiktok.com forward slash at Max Hawker. Um, he's also on Instagram as Hawker IT, Hawker IT. Um, give him a follow. Not that he'll get more traction out of this podcast than he does out of a ridiculously popular um, TikTok account. Um, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back again next week to do it all over again. In fact, maybe not next week. I need to work out school holidays, okay? It's school holidays, so we might have to take a week off. I don't know. There's There's babysitting and parenting to do, so I don't know. Just bear with me, folks. I've got a life to lead. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. You know what I haven't done for a while? This. It might sound crazy what I'm about to say. But Thank you.